Poo-Poo and the Dragons by C.S. Forrester, Chapter 10 When the sun was beginning to set and the picnic day was over, Mr. Brown said, "'We'll have to think about bedtime and go home,' which is the thing that has to be said one way or another at the end of every day. So Poo-Poo and his father and mother got into the car and drove towards the city with the two dragons. "'It seems a long time since I asked you what the dragons' names were.' running along clippity-clop behind them. Poo-Poo said, "'Let's go home through the tunnel.' And Mr. Brown said, "'I've never seen such a boy in all my life. He's not satisfied with being given the freedom of the city, but on the very same day he wants to go through a tunnel.' "'Well, I suppose we will.' The tunnel was one way of going back into the city, under a big hill, and it was really two tunnels, one for traffic out of the town and one for traffic into the town." Poo-Poo used to like to go through it because he used to try to see if he could hold his breath all the time they were going through it from one end to the other. And sometimes he did, and sometimes he didn't. So they got onto the main road, which was full of the evening traffic streaming along in both directions, and they went along it towards the tunnel, with the dragons going clippity-clop behind them. And along behind the dragons came an enormous truck, which was driven by a man called George Fabricius Martinelli, who was in a terrible hurry, and he drove his big truck close up behind Ermintrude and blew his horn very loud, and frightened poor Ermintrude nearly out of her wits. So she gave one jump, and landed on the wrong side of the road, and just ran and ran and ran, with Horatio after her trying to comfort her, and the traffic that was coming the other way went skidding off the road this way and that, as they saw the two dragons galloping along the wrong side of the road, and Poo-Poo's father said, "'I suppose I ought to have thought of that.' I don't think I have been as clever as usual. They watched the dragons go galloping up the road, and they saw them disappear up the tunnel, going the wrong way, and Mr. Brown said, "'My golly, we'll have to do something about this.' So he stepped on the gas and drove the car very fast indeed, so fast that he left the big truck which had caused all the trouble a long way behind him. You know the name of the truck driver.' and they whizzed through the tunnel so fast that Poo-Poo could easily have held his breath from one end to the other if he had remembered about it, but of course this time he had forgotten it because he was worried about the two dragons. When they came out on the other side it was a terrific sight. All the traffic into the other tunnel was held up for miles and miles, and all the drivers were blowing their horns as loud as they could. Mr. Brown said, "'It'll take from now till next Friday to straighten all this up,' possibly even Saturday. He stopped the car beside the road, and they all got out, and walked across to the other tunnel, and the horns were making such a noise that they could not even hear themselves think, and while all the horns were blowing there was also the noise of a siren, and along came a motorcycle, and it stopped in the middle of the traffic jam, and a policeman, whose name I am sure you remember, got off the motorcycle and said, "'What's all this?' and none of the drivers could tell him, so they simply blew their horns louder than ever, so that policeman McGillicuddy—that was the name, wasn't it?—could not hear himself think either. Mr. Brown went up to him and shouted into his ear through the roar of the horns, "'I think it's a dragon got stopped in the tunnel.' "'A dragon?' said policeman McGillicuddy. "'It feels more like an earthquake to me.' And sure enough, the ground under their feet was trembling, just as if there were an earthquake. "'I can't explain the earthquake,' shouted Mr. Brown, "'but I can assure you that a couple of my son's dragons went up the other end of the tunnel and haven't come out of this end.' 
"'Oh, did they?' said the policeman. "'What was his name again?' "'We'll have to see about that.' But the policeman was a very big man, and the tunnel was just jammed tight with traffic, and there wasn't a chance of his getting through so that he could see about it. And Mr. Brown was a very big man as well, so in the end they said to Poo-Poo, "'Come along, Poo-Poo, go up the tunnel and see what's happened to Ermintrude.' So Poo-Poo got down on his stomach, and he wriggled along underneath trucks and underneath automobiles and around wheels until he came to the middle of the tunnel. And there was a bus standing quite still, and beyond the bus there was Ermintrude facing towards the bus and shaking so much with fright that it explained why policeman McGillicuddy thought there was an earthquake going. And behind Ermintrude there was Horatio trying to comfort her, but because Horatio could only comfort her tail end, it was not much good— "'because it never is much good trying to comfort the tail-end of a dragon.' "'Poo-Poo could see at once that it would be no good "'trying to get Ermintrude to back up down the tunnel "'while she was as frightened as that. "'And so he crawled back round the wheels and under the exhaust pipes "'all the way to where his father and policeman McGillicuddy were, were having an argument, "'and he told them how matters stood. "'So policeman McGillicuddy had to back up all the traffic.' and because there was a solid block five miles long, he had to dash up and down a long time on his motorcycle to make the ones farthest back back up first, and then the next ones, and then the next ones, and all the horns were roaring away, until at last the bus came backing out of the tunnel full of very cross passengers. And then at last Poo-Poo could go up the tunnel again and lead Ermintrude out with Horatio behind her, and Ermintrude looked very sorry for herself, and all the traffic started pouring out the tunnel once more, and as each car went past them it blew its horn to show what it thought of them, so that Ermintrude nearly jumped out of her skin each time. And Policeman McGillicuddy took out his notebook and his pencil and licked it, the way his mother always told him not to do, and said, "'There's going to be trouble for you over this business.' "'And Mr. Brown said, "'Oh, no, there won't.' "'And why not?' asked the policeman. "'You have just heard his name.' "'My son Harold,' said Mr. Brown. "'Perhaps you can guess who Mr. Brown's son Harold was. "'Has just been given the freedom of the city, "'and anyone who has the freedom of the city "'can take his dragons up tunnels the wrong way. "'It says so in the Constitution.' "'Does it now?' asked Policeman McGillicuddy. "'Yes, it does,' said Mr. Brown. "'If you will take my advice, you won't attempt anything contrary to the Bill of Rights. "'That would be a very serious thing for a policeman to do. "'I am surprised that you are so ignorant of the Constitution as to suggest such a thing.' "'I am surprised, too,' said Policeman McGillicuddy. "'Well, that's all right, then,' said Mr. Brown. "'Good evening.' He got back into the car, and so did Mrs. Brown, and so did Poo-Poo, and they drove off home with the dragons going clippity-clop behind. And because of all the delay, it was long past bedtime when they got home. End of chapter 10 Read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on Monday, July 29, 2013, in San Diego, California.